Okay, uh, this week we're going to start a new series that was put on a Sunday, actually, and put on a, that's a pretty accurate description, Boom! that's the way it felt anyway. We're going to start a series called uh, Bible-Based Weapons Training. <clears throat> and as I thought about this, uh, I thought that it would be good for us as a church family to do this at least once a year, maybe even twice. You know, at least once a year, maybe even once every six months or so. Yeah. Because it will uh, strengthen the things that we do believe in. Nathan, could you go show them in? Yeah. So we're going to start a series called Bible-Based Weapons Training, starting tonight. And what we'll do is we will have, we'll go through this series of weapons training at least once a year and probably twice, once every six months. um, Because it'll be a good refresher. And a lot of these things that we do, these disciplines we do, uh, they get old. They just do. They get old, they get tiresome, they get routine. And if we're not careful, we can live a life of of peace and new territory, so to speak, that we can let our guard down and we can let our weapons collect rust if we're not careful. Uh, So we want to start tonight Bible-based weapons training. And the first one we're going to start, I know this ain't going to shock anybody, it's been around me for a little while. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to cover what I'm convinced out of the whole scripture is the atom bomb of spiritual warfare. And that's fasting. It is the atom bomb of spiritual warfare. We're going to cover fasting tonight. Our first section of scripture is going to be in 1 Kings chapter number 21. And what we're going to cover tonight, we're just going to cover, there is... Way there's a lot. It's you can't exhaust uh, the Bible information on fasting and the things that it does. Uh, but we're going to cover uh, just a couple things. Uh, one of the things, First uh, uh, Kings twenty one, and I'll tell you the verse in minutes, but it's good for you. Is the first thing about fasting is that fasting, as impossible as it sounds, can change God's <laughs> mind. That sounds like something like, whoa, hold up. What change got? Yeah, we're, we got Bible for it. Fasting can change God's mind. Yes. Now, I want to say before I get started and get lost the way that I do, uh, is that a lot of people, um, they won't fast regular because uh, let's, say, let's say Thursday is, is the fast day and it's the church family fast day. Well, if they've had a kind of rough Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they've done a few things they shouldn't do, they've kind of let some things slack, they know they shouldn't have let slack, and they've not exactly been hardcore about getting it all together, then Thursday comes around, and they're like, well, what's the point of fasting? I mean, you know, I ain't got this together over here, and you got to have all your P's and Q's right before you start, you know, before you fast, or you can count. Well, we're going to use a couple examples tonight from the Scripture to prove that that's not true. Our first one is an excellent example that you don't have to have everything going exactly right to fast and have it count. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say after all these years that there are a lot of things that we will never get right until we do start fast. Because here's what fasting is before we get started in the Scripture. Fasting is... One of the hardest things you can do to your flesh. The scripture teaches all throughout the Bible, old and new, that the spirit and the flesh fight all the time. 
Even Paul, I mean, the man who, who left riches and wealth behind, the man who went to Rome and everybody told him, no, don't go. I mean, they would have gave him a nice fat pastor somewhere, you know. He'd have it made in the shade. But he said, no, God's called me to go to Rome. And if I lose my life there, I lose my life there. I don't care. I want to do what God wants me to do. Even a man like that admitted in his writing, he said, there are things that I know that I should do and I don't do those. Then there are things that I know I shouldn't do, and I do those. And then he says, wretched man that I am. He said, who's going to deliver me from this? And then he answered himself and says, I won't be delivered from this until I go and see Jesus and don't have this anymore. <laughs> so there's a constant battle, and there will be our whole lives between our spirit self and the flesh. And the flesh wants what it wants. It wants things that make it feel good, that make it happy, and it don't care even if some of the things that make it feel good and make it happy have disastrous long-term effects. Actually, it doesn't even care a lot of times if the things that make its flesh happy has disastrous consequences right now. That's why you see marriages being destroyed, families being torn apart. It's because somebody in that family or in that marriage, they let the flesh take over and they did something that was wrong. And because of that, now the marriage is gone, the family's destroyed, the family's split in two, the children are over here and over here and over here. All because somebody didn't know how to tell that flesh, not today. We give the devil way too much credit. It doesn't work nearly as hard as what we like to say is a devil this, a devil that. How about uh, flesh this, flesh this, me this, I this. That's what it really boils down to. Now, the fasting, what it does is, every day in our lives when we wake up, we want to have our hands on the steering wheel. That's just normal. We want to be in control. We want to know the direction this car of life is being pointed, how fast it's going, why it's going, where it's going, when it's going, when it's going to get there, and when we're coming back. That's what the flesh does. The flesh wants to be in control. So what we do when we fast is we get up in the morning and we say, guess what, old flesh, today you ain't in charge today. Not only are you not going to be behind the driver's wheel, you're not going to sit in the front seat. Not only are you not going to be in the back seat, you're going in the trunk today. You ain't calling no shots today. I'm going to starve you today. And it's going to hurt. Because let me tell you this, there may be some days you can start your day and you think, oh, I, uh, yep, I've heard that before. Let me tell you something. There's a difference between getting up and getting busy and Oh man, it's 2.30 and I ain't ate today. And you didn't really feel hungry, but it's like, oh, it's 2.30 and I ain't ate. I better eat me something, right? You can have days like that. Not when you're fasting, you won't have a day like that. When you set a day aside to fast and put your flesh in subjection and tell it it's not going to rule your day on a certain day, you'll get up in the morning before you get to the coffee pot, you will smell that saltine cracker in that cupboard that's still sealed tighter than a drum. That's what happens when you tell the flesh it's not in control today. And you know what that does? That shows you how powerful fasting is. When those things happen, let that encourage you instead of making you feel like, oh, this is going to be tough. And when you feel like, oh, this is going to be tough, the next thing you ought to say is good. That means it's going to count. If you go all the way through what you call a fast day and it didn't hurt and you weren't hungry and it didn't cost you nothing, you didn't do nothing. 
And God didn't honor anything because the whole purpose of fasting is to cost this flesh something. Because all this flesh has ever done is cost us something. Mm -hmm. You look back down the road of your life, it's just some of the worst things that have ever been, happened in your life, and you'll realize you're the one that happened them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was your flesh that caused them things to happen. So on a day when we decide flesh ain't control today, that flesh is going to act up right from the start, man. And instead of being discouraged or being intimidated and say, well, I can't do that. It's already this rough. What you need to say is, wow, this is counting already. This is going to be great. Now, the reason it's going to be great is because you don't just fast and say, well, I'm just fasting today. No, don't do that because you'll just be going hungry today is what you'll be doing, right? It's a good exercise, and science has proven that it takes 24 hours of pure fasting to get out all the chemicals in the food that we eat the other six days. So it is good for you physically, right? But if you want it to count spiritually, aim your fast. We call them fasting targets. And we'll give a fasting target. And we'll say, okay, like uh, my fasting target today was for Teresa and her children. My fasting target today, here's an example. Get up in the morning. I'm going to fast today. And today, God, I'm going to ask you, Lord, to take all the power you've made available in a fast and aim it toward Teresa, aim it toward uh, Emma, and aim it toward Kaylin. And move in their life like only you can, God. So see, what I've done then is I've aimed that fast at a target. Now then, here's the next thing. When you go through your day and you feel a hunger pain or you see them little white spots, woo, everybody, you know what I'm talking about? Or you feel that cold sweat. Man, a lot of people quit because of that. Well, sit down a minute. There ain't no reason to quit. You ain't going to die. You probably ain't going to die. Ain't nobody ever fasted, died trying to fast one day. You ain't going to die. Just sit down, get under the shade tree. You'll be all right in a minute and then get up and finish your fast. But when those side effects start to happen from fasting, use those to prod you to aim again, to pray again. Use those to, to remind you what your target is. And every time you feel that hunger, because see what that is? That's a flesh trying to say, you need to eat, dude, you're going to die. You need to eat, you're going to pass out. You need to eat, this is going to be bad. You need to eat, you're going to wind up get diabetes. You ain't got already. You need to eat. See, that's your flesh screaming and hollering at you. You know why? Because it ain't used to not being in control. That dude ain't, don't know what the truck looks like. He's used to being right behind the steering wheel. So when we get him out of the car and put him in the truck and shut the lid and take the key with us and he can't get out and can't call no shots, he don't like it. So he's going to try to get us to stop our fast and eat. When that happens and you feel those side effects, use that to say, Lord, aim the power of this fast at that target. I know this is counting for something, man. I'm feeling this one tough. <laughs> Father, touch Teresa today. Touch your children today. Move in their life. Provide them a job. Make a way for them to get here, God. And do that all through your day while you're fasting. And see what you do then? You take that weapon right out of your flesh's hand. You see? You took it right out of his hand. Instead of being something he's using on you to get you to quit, bud, now you're saying, thank you, old flesh. You just reminded me to pray one more time today for that thing I'm fasting over. It's pretty cool. Then now, how you end it, before we get into it, how you end it then is whenever your preset time is to end your fast, like what we started out as a church families, we do it on Wednesdays, and we do it from sun up, sun down. Now, you can do it for three months if you want to. I don't really care. Do it, do it however long you want, okay? But you pick the time that you want to fast, and when it comes to the end of that time, and you get ready to break your fast, before you take a nosedive into that bucket of wings, you just sit there a minute, right? And you go over your target. 
Say, Lord, like what we do since we all fast together and we share targets on Wednesdays, what we do is before we eat, we'll say, Lord, we'll thank you, Father, that today, here's a good one for Americans. Thank you today, Father, that I fasted because I chose to. Yeah. Because there's at least a billion people on this planet that fasted today and they didn't want to. There's at least a billion people on this planet today, Brian, that spent all day looking for food. And most of them, if they did find any, it didn't have no meat. It was probably rice or fish or something, right? They spent all day looking for a meal. They spent as much energy trying to find a meal that it took me not to eat one. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in. We are blessed, man. Do you see why fat? I know fasting counts for Americans. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it counts. So when you get ready to break that fast, Lord, thank you that I am so blessed that when I fast, it's because I choose to and I don't have to. Thank you for that, Father. And Lord, thank you for making power available in a fast. That's cool. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Thank you, Lord, for making power available in a fast. And then finally, Lord, visit again Stacy and move on her targets today, Father. Visit Jimmy and move on his targets today. And then you go down the list of the people that you're fasting with and you ask God to move on their targets and then you finish with yours. And Lord, thank you for making the power available in this fast. Thank you for touching Teresa and her girls today. Thank you for it in Jesus' name and then dig in, okay? So that's the practical cause and method of fasting. Right now, if you haven't fasted before, haven't fasted regular, you can start off by uh, fasting a breakfast. If you don't think you can do from sun up to sundown, start with something that's not so super easy. It ain't going to count, but start off with something that's realistic. You can do. Okay. God's going to honor that. But look, fasting breakfast, if you don't eat breakfast, that probably ain't going to count for too much, okay? But like if you're a big breakfast person, but you have three squares a day, so then tell God, you know, okay, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to fast my breakfast. And you know I love my breakfast. Well, I'm going to fast my breakfast. And when I do, I'm asking you to take the power that comes with a fast and aim it and then give him your target, okay? So that's a practical cause and method of fasting. Now, this first biblical example of fasting is really cool uh, to me because this illustrates the fact that fasting can change God's mind. You say, well, what do you mean about that? Well, you know, America's got a payday coming. Mm -hmm. We still got, I thank God they overturned Roe versus Wade. I'm, I'm thankful for it. But we still got the blood of 63 million babies to answer for, and we will answer for it. The Bible's clear about uh, the shedding of innocent blood. There's a payday that will come to our country. But here's also something, and I've seen the payday start. What's going on in our government, what's going on in our public schools with all the perversion, that is the beginning of the payday for uh, an account that America has grown over the years. But we can change God's mind about when that payday comes. And here's, here's the example. This king, this dirtbag, murdering, spineless, hen-pecked, evil king, Ahab. That's what he was. God had just pronounced judgment on him. 1 Kings 21. And verse number 25 is where we're going to pick up the story. Now, this man had just let his wife murder a good dude so he could have his vineyard when the king had 500 of them. He's dirtbag. So he's down there looking in the vineyard and along comes a man that got Elijah and tells him God knows what you did. He's going to kill you and kill everybody in your family. But we get to verse number 25. There was none like unto Ahab. Now that's a mouthful. These are some evil people. And it tells why. He did sell himself 
to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. So he didn't just sell himself to work wickedness. He sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of God. Did it right in front of his face. He said, take that. I don't care what you think about it. That's what it means. Yeah. And then it says, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. He was impact. That means he did whatever she told him to do. Okay? And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. He worshiped false gods. And it came to pass when Ahab heard these words, he had just been told by Elijah, God's going to kill him because he's evil. When he heard these words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth and went softly. Now here's this dirtbag murdering king who worships <laughs> false gods, and God says, I'm going to kill you for what you've been doing. He's got it coming. Now notice, this dude don't pray one prayer of repentance either. But you know what he does do? He says, I'm going to fast. I'm going to put on sackcloth. Now what sackcloth was, imagine a potato sack turned inside out. It was put on in order to rub the flesh raw. So you couldn't move two seconds without feeling that rub your flesh raw. It was to remind you of why you were fasting and your sorrow. So he puts on his sackcloth, lays in ashes, right? And he went softly. Now what that means is, this is really important. I think this is super cool. Because we can fast food. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to occupy myself all day. I'm just going to binge watch yada, yada, yada on Netflix for eight hours. My fast going to go by fast. You're kind of taking the point out of the fast. Well, I know what I'm going to do on my fast day. I'm going to go out to the ball game, man. I mean, that's like four hours. Then I'm going to go over here. That's another three hours. By the time I even get back home, I can find some. And I don't take no money with me either. That way I can't eat. And then when I get home, the day went by like, well, you're kind of taking the point out of the fast. You see, we can't have a fast that brings power of God because we're going to hurt the flesh and then occupy the flesh over here and make it feel good until the day's done. That, that goes against the very principle of the fast in the first place, right? So when it says he went softly, it's super cool, man. That means that he didn't entertain himself that day. That means he didn't boast about anything. He was not hanging out with the bros that day. He went softly. I mean, this dude was under a death sentence. You would go softly if you knew at any time God Almighty not only could strike you dead, but He already told you He's gonna. <laughs> That's a good time to tiptoe around the house if there ever was one, right? And it's exactly what this evil, wicked, dirtbag king did. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Now, boy, sometimes a preacher gets a rough job. Elijah's been fighting with his king for years and years and years. They're enemies, just flat out enemies. Matter of fact, when Elijah found him down at Naboth's vineyard, he said, you found me, old my enemy? Elijah said, yeah, I found him. He didn't even deny he was his enemy. He was his enemy. And so God had him go tell Ahab, I'm going to kill you for being evil. And Elijah's walking away. And you know what? He might not have been happy God was going to kill the man, but I guarantee he was happy he was going to get that evil government out of there. Praise God! Biden's gone! They're going to get a godly man in the White House. That's the attitude the man had. There's going to be a revival in the United States of America, right? Well, he gets away, and then God comes back to Elijah, <laughs> and he says, Hey, Elijah, do you see how Ahab humbles himself before me? Well, Elijah's probably like, Well, yeah, you told me he's going to kill him. Because he humbles himself before me. Now, what was the humbling? Tore his clothes, sackcloth, and fasted. Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So see, 
this evil, wicked king who didn't love God. There's not a prayer in here that says, Lord, if you'll let me live and not do this, I will serve you. And he never did serve God. Never did he ever serve God after this. This evil, wicked king, because he humbled himself and fasted, God said, he deserves it, but I'm not going to do it to him. There's a judgment coming for the country, but I'm not going to do it in his day. I'll do it in another generation's day. Now look, that's kind of a selfish thing to ask. I mean, here we are. If we can change God's mind, Lord, payday's starting in America, and I'm seeing it. We can see it all around us, man. But Father, it'd be really cool if you push that payday off about 500 years, huh? And maybe let it only last a week before you come back and end it all anyway. That'd be really cool. Now, I don't know if God would do such a thing, but I got to think that if God would change his mind about the payday coming to Ahab and that whole country, and he would change his mind when an evil king just fasted, what would he do for Jesus' name baptized Holy Ghost filled people? Huh? Come on, think about that. You'll have the blood of Jesus on your soul. You have the authority of the name of the Almighty God. So when you fasten, ain't the evil king fasting because God says he's going to kill me. It's the people of God fasting because we don't want to see this happen in our country in our children's day and in our grandchildren's day. We want to see it pushed way down there if it can be. So if God would hear this evil king, God will hear you. And again, I want to reiterate that when you have a bad week and yeah, you've boffed it a few times, biffed it a few other times, and it comes fast day, don't get the idea that you can't fast you know, today that God ain't going to hear me anyway because I messed that up the other day. No, no, you got Bible proof that God will hear you even on that day. And again, that fast may help you so next time that situation comes, you won't respond the wrong way, right? Okay, so next example, Book of Jonah. <laughs> Turn to the right, almost to the New Testament. It's right around all them fun names like Habakkuk and Zephaniah and all them. Jonah. Jonah chapter number three. So we've got an evil king, evil government, has a payday coming, deserves it because he humbled himself. See, they're, they're, humbled himself and went softly. That really, that right there describes a fast in its spirit, doesn't it? Humble ourselves and go softly, huh? It's pretty neat. So now in the book of Jonah, chapter number three, we're going to see an unclean, heathen, evil, idol-worshiping nation who have gotten so evil that God wants to kill the whole kingdom. <clears throat> wants to wipe them all out. One of the interesting things about Jonah too is I've heard it preached 900 times that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because they were so evil. That's not it at all. Because at the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah says when God forgives these people and doesn't kill them, Jonah says that's why I didn't want to go in the first place. Mm -hmm. How twisted of a preacher do you got to be that you didn't want to go somewhere because God would save them? I don't know if Jonah's up there. If he didn't repent after this book is written, that dude didn't end well. He said, I didn't want to go because I knew you'd have mercy on him. Wow, preacher. I want you for my pastor. Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, 
That word great doesn't mean it was awesome. It means it was a huge city. It took three days to walk through it. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So what was it he bid? Check it out. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. That meant when you walked through the front gate, it would take you three days to walk and get out the back gate. I could almost get to Greenville in three days. I mean, that's a long ways. I used to do this thing up north called a walkathon. We'd raise money for uh, Jerry's kids. And it was 22 miles, and we did it. It was before dark when we got done. So, I mean, three days walking? That's a humongous city, man. So it took three days, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. So he's preaching this whole day. He's a third of the way through the city, and this is what he preached. This is what God told him to preach. Forty days, and then it shall be overthrown. In forty days, you're going to die. There ain't no call to repentance. Judgment has been issued. There is no word in here where God said, if you repent, I'll change my mind. God had decreed a judgment of death for this entire city. So the people of God believe, people of Nineveh believed God and what? Proclaimed a fast. Now I got to ask you, where are all these evil people find out about fasting? There must have been some God people somewhere that a regular part of their relationship with God was they fasted. They didn't just fast when cancer came. They didn't just fast when natural disaster happened. They had to fast regular because we got all these evil people like Ahab and now an entire city who God de declares judgment on them. They say, well, I know what we need to do. We need to fast. Where did they get that from? Because there were some God people somewhere that fasted regularly. Had to be. They proclaimed a fast and put on here, go in potato sacks again. From the greatest even to the least. That means rich and poor. <coughs> Word came unto the king of Nineveh he got off his throne, took his royal robe off, and covered himself with sackcloth, and he took it further. He sat in ashes. You know what you do when you sit in ashes? You say, man, I know I ain't nothing but dirt in the eyes of God. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast. This dude took it a step further. He said, ain't only all the people going to fast. We ain't even going to let the chickens eat. The donkeys ain't eating. The camels ain't eating. The ducks ain't eating. Herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed. And then he went even further. Nor drink water. You know what? I guess you would get extreme if you've just been told God is going to kill you and your whole city. What do you got to lose? I mean, I think if I'd known fasting was food but I've been told I'm going to be dead in 40 days. That's great. I'm just going to sit around here 40 days waiting for God to kill me. I know what. Hey, let's fast the food. What else can we do? Let's fast some water. Let's get in the ashes. I mean, let's do it. I know what. Let's don't feed any animals either. I mean, you know, they, they can do them no good anyhow. If God don't change his mind. They're dead too, right? So, I mean, this guy was in an extreme situation, so he took it to an extreme level. You know, I just got to put this, this, this side comment in here for you. In, in dry seasons in your life, and you're in an extremely dry time in your life, take your prayer to an extreme level. Amen. Shake it up somehow. I remember early on, in the early 90s, uh, 1995, I did Holy Ghost three years. I was working for a garbage company, and we started at 6 o'clock, 
but it had been like a month and I couldn't feel God in worship. I couldn't feel him in prayer. I was still doing all the disciplines, still, you know, uh, fasting, praying, studying, all things I normally did, but I hadn't felt him in about a month, man. And it was like, uh-uh, that's too long. I got to do something to break this up. So my dad and I, he worked at uh, uh, Chrysler Auto Plant. And he had an early shift too. So we started meeting at 4.30 uh, at the church. We had a key. We'd meet in the sanctuary at 4.30. And we did this every morning for about a week and a half until finally one morning, it just broke, man. So I was desperate. So I'm telling you that if you get in a desperate situation in any of the areas in your life, then do something desperate in that area. If your prayer feels like that it's going to the ceiling and falling down, you know what? Go somewhere else and pray. Go out to the park and walk around the lake and pray. Change the time of your prayer. Get up a little earlier. Do something different to shake it up and stay after it. Because if you will stay after it, it will break loose. So this man was desperate and he took it to extreme measures. But look what he says. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. See, they didn't just fast. They prayed too. Let them turn. And then look at this. Let them turn everyone from his evil way. In other words, don't just miss out on your food today, fellas. Let's stop doing all this stuff that got us in trouble in the first place. Kind of sounds like Jesus talking about fruits and meat for repentance. John the Baptist, my bad. In other words, he's telling all these people, you think you're all good because you're out here amen in my preaching and I've even baptized you. But you, you got to bring to God some fruit that shows that that repentance was real. Because if repentance is real, there's going to be something in your life that changes. This, this non-changing Christianity ain't no Christianity at all. A non-transformational Christianity? Think about that. Let those words sink in your mind for a minute. Non-transformational Christianity? Hello? Christianity is all about transformation. It transforms us from children of darkness into children of light. It transforms our destination to that lake of fire that even hell is going to get dumped into. And it gives us a reward with God Almighty. Everything about Christianity transforms. So there can be no real Christianity if there's no transformation in me. And some of that stuff, God does. But some of that stuff, God wants us to do. Why should everything be easy? The hard part's repenting? Really? Should that be the hardest part? We're repenting to a Jesus that got whipped until his innards were his outards. We're repenting to a God that put skin on and went to a cross and got nailed there, got spit in the face, got a bag put on his head, and they beat him and said, oh, prophesy now, preacher, and tell me who just smacked you in your nose. And he did all that. And then, because I come to him and say, God, I'm sorry. What? Then he waves his magic wand and says, shoot, well, there you go. And have a perfect life. I did it all. No. No. Real Christianity is coming to God and saying, Lord, I don't deserve none of this. And if you don't do another thing for me after dying for me on that cross, if all you do is forgive my sins, if all you do is wash my sins away when I go down in the water and somebody says in the name of Jesus Christ over me, if all you do is come to live in my soul, then Lord, I'm good. I come out on the best end of this deal, God. <laughs> and there's got to be something in our life. Now for me, 
God did a whole bunch of stuff all at once. The morning I got the Holy Ghost, I walked out to the car, crumbled up my cigarettes, threw them things in a dumpster. I didn't need a verse. All I knew was God was everywhere. I was going to walk softly like Ahab, man. All I knew was He was living inside of me now. And if He's in there, where's that smoke go when I hit that Marlboro, baby? goes right in there where God is. And do I want to do that? No, I ain't trying to do that. I threw them cigarettes away. Never did have any withdrawals. God did that for me, right? He must have knew I couldn't do it on my own. But Kitty, Kitty had to do it on her own. And do you know why? Because that's something God do, she could do. But there's something for all of us that God takes from us that we could not do on our own. But then there are other things in our life and we wonder why we still have this bad habit. We wonder why this thing is still a problem for us. It's because God's going to leave something for us to do. Shouldn't something we do be hard? Think about that. Doesn't it deserve for something that we've got to change our life to be hard and difficult and take a minute to do? So if that's true, then we can't quit. We can't just say, I guess I'm always going to have this happen. That's just the way. No, man. Just throw that thing in the garbage and go through your withdrawals. Lock yourself in a closet and have your best friend put a padlock on the door and go through your DTs. Do something hard for the God that did all the hard stuff for you. <laughs> Whew. It's good preaching anyhow. It's tight, but it's right, baby. There's going to be something that's hard for us. And honestly, that's fair. That's fair. It would have been fair if everything was hard. But man, look how much this stuff is easy. Man, it's easy to pray for people to be healed. When you done had somebody get healed, you pray for him. They're right, Joe. That's easy after that. It's like, who, who, who's next? Who's next? Huh? It's easy to worship God in a worship service with everybody. When God touches you in a worship service and you got tears running down your face, it's easy after that to put your hands in the air and just love on God and not care what anybody thinks about you. There's a lot of this that is so easy. So whatever that hard thing, say, nowhere in here, but God, no. That thing is hard for you. Don't look at that like God is just, you know, God hasn't favored you. No, you know what? It's the opposite. God has favored you to leave you with something that's hard for you to do for Him. That's a privilege. I mean, it is. Think about it. It is. Man, He couldn't even carry that cross up the hill by Himself. God had something. Ooh, that's a good message today. Something was too hard for God. That cross was too hard for him and he needed help. Too hard for God? It was too hard for his flesh. Now you might need help, but you got a helper. And it's the God that had that skin on carrying that cross in the first place. So I got to tell somebody today so I can get back to what I'm trying to teach. I got to tell you today, get back on top of that hard thing you've been, you quit fighting. Do what you got to do, but do it. And when you get it done, you're going to be glad you did. You're going to hand that thing to God. You're going to be like, Lord, you've done so much for me, but Lord, here. I know this ain't much in somebody else's eyes, but Lord, it sure cost me. It was a doozy for me, but I did it, and here it is, Father. Here it is. <laughs> <sighs> okay. 
So he said, let man and beast be covered, cry mightily, God, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. And then look what he said, because who knows? God might turn and repent. What? You see, I like this because this gives us the, the, the real meaning of repentance. Repentance ain't, I'm sorry. You move your mouth 900 times, say you're sorry, and never really repent. What repentance means is I'm turning from the direction I was headed, and I'm going the other way now. I might not be running that other way. It might look to everybody else like I'm a turtle heading that direction, but I ain't facing the way I used to face anymore. And that's exactly what this king said. Even he knew it. He said, who knows that God, he might turn from his evil world. He might turn away from his fierce anger, turn and repent, turn away from his anger that we perish not. And look at this. And God saw their... Uh, you don't need no works. Mm -hmm. Remember that TBN alone? There's going to be a whole book of works opened up when we stand in front of God at the great white throne. Why in the world would 90% of the preaching world tell you the works don't matter for nothing if you're going to stand in front of God at the great white throne and have oh. a book of works open? You know why? Because 90% of the preaching world is of the devil and they're preaching the devil's doctrine. Yep. That's just the truth. I don't know them all, but I know what 90% of them preach. Works matter. Now don't get confused. You can't earn your way to heaven, but there's some stuff you should not be doing and there's some stuff we should be doing. Yeah. And look what God did. God saw their works. Wait, what? You mean he didn't hear their crying? No, he saw their works and that they turned, what? From their evil way. And look what God did. When they repented, so did God. <laughs> Woo! There's another one. If you'll repent, God will too. Huh? If you'll turn from the direction you was heading, God will turn from the stuff he was going to be heading your direction. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful verse right there. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, this is a people that repentance wasn't even given to them for an option. The preacher came. Like, God said, preach what I told you to preach. And the preacher said, y'all are going to die in 40 days. God's going to kill every one of you. So that's exactly what God told them to preach. So we got a group of people who wasn't even given the option to repent. But when they did, God couldn't ignore it. That's amazing to me. All from skipping some food, man. Okay, next one. Acts chapter 10. Now this one should offer you encouragement. This one should encourage you. Because this is a Bible example and proof that your fasting can bring Pentecost for someone in your family that does not have it. Let me break it down a little more. Your fasting can cause God to take truth to someone that won't listen to you. Mm. Your fasting can cause God to visit them with truth right in their house. Mm. <laughs> Acts 10, verse number 1. This is 10 years after Pentecost. Ain't been no Gentile in the kingdom. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man. That means he had religion. And one that feared God with all his house 
Gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. This dude had a prayer life. Now mind you, it was against the rules for him to be in their religion. But he prayed anyway. His relationship with God didn't have anything to do with what somebody told him he couldn't do. His relationship with God was a relationship. And it didn't matter if the Jews said, you can't come in our temple and you can't really be one of us. He said, that's all right. I'm going to love on God anyhow. <laughs> and he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? I guess I'd be afraid too. My angel pops in his kitchen. I, you don't call me a sissy. I might be the first one to pass out. Tell me what happened when you wake me up. He said unto him, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. Mm. Alms is giving. Yeah. Is it any wonder? I can't help it. It's true. It ain't my fault I live in this thing. Is it any wonder that the ministry in the Christian world over the last couple of generations has been so corrupt with money that nobody wants to give? Now, I don't mean nobody literally. Let me rephrase that. That, that most people don't trust ministries anymore. Yeah. Who can blame them? Yeah. I mean. So stop and think about this. If the ministry has gotten so corrupt that most people don't trust ministries to give to ministries, and giving is one of the things that caused God to see Cornelius, no wonder the enemy would sneak into corrupt ministries and cause things to happen where people don't want to give anymore because giving gets God's attention. I'm not taking up an offer. We don't ever, so just relax, okay? We're not talking about money. I ain't getting ready to take an offering. But look at this. Your prayers and your giving are come up for a memorial before God. What is memorial? It's like uh, you go and you see them, uh, you see, you see them uh, veterans of foreign wars memorials. Like they got one in Kingsport. It's got one, uh, a pillar for every war. And then it's got one for POWs. And man, it's beautiful. And it's a memorial. And it's something that stays there forever so we never forget. And so notice Cornelius was praying when this happened. So Cornelius has been praying already in his life regular. And he's built up this memorial that day by day gets bigger and bigger. And as a matter of fact, he's working on this memorial when the angel shows up. So, hey, Cornelius, you can take a break. God sees you. <laughs> you see, this memorial you've been building with your prayers and giving has got God's attention. So, think about that. All the prayers you pray, where it feels like a whoop, splat, whoop, splat, whoop, splat. Guess what? It might feel that way to you, but it's adding on to whatever the previous prayers you've been praying down through the days and the weeks and the months and the years, and that memorial is stacking up. So whatever theme it is you have in that memorial, it's going to stack up till it gets to a place where God ain't going to go around it no more. He ain't going to step over it no more. He's going to come walking by that thing one day and say, I guess you got to do something about this stage well down here because this memorial is too big to ignore. Isn't that an amazing thing? You have a memorial before God. And that memorial isn't just for you. That memorial is for you because you've been praying it, but it's also a memorial for whoever it is you've been praying for. Amen. This is the second time in a row in the last couple months you guys have come and Joe's asked prayer for your mama. That's two times that I'm aware of that that memorial is just chink, another layer, chink, another layer, chink, another layer. Yeah. So that memorial isn't just a memorial for Joe and Teresa. That memorial is a, a memorial for Joe and Teresa and Teresa's mama. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing thing? So yeah. hear me today. Keep building your memorial. 
Even on the days where it feels like words out of your mouth and it just doesn't even count. It just feels like I'm just practicing a religion. No, you're working on a memorial. And if God, i got to do this again, if God would honor it for somebody that was a heathen man, somebody that wasn't covered by the blood, wasn't filled with His Spirit, what will God do about your memorial? Your prayers and your giving come up for memorial for God and now send men to Joppa. Okay, he's getting ready. He's going to tell them what to do. Send them there. Find Simon. He lodges with another dude named Simon. He'll tell you what you ought to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius left, Cornelius called two of his household servants, devout soldiers of them that waited on him. He declared all these things to them, told them, then sent them to Joppa to get Peter. On the morrow, as they went on their journey, they drew nigh unto the city. And look what they catch Peter doing. Peter went up upon the housetop to pray. pray. So Cornelius gets his visit when he's praying. And his men get to Peter's house when he's praying. Now, you don't say either one of these men felt the Holy Ghost in goosebumps. Cornelius didn't because the Holy Ghost wasn't for Gentiles yet. <laughs> and he became very hungry. Oh, Peter must have been... Fasting. <laughs> so I'm going to skip by. The, you can read this later. I want you to go to verse 30 for the sake of time, please. So Peter has a vision. God tells him what to do. Peter gets to Cornelius' house in verse number 30. He gets to Cornelius' house and he says, Peter comes in. Cornelius says, Four days. Yep, that's where you are, son. Verse number 30. Verse number 30. There you go. You good? Yeah. Okay. Don't warm out and do tonight. He gets in and Cornelius says, tells Peter, four days ago I was fasting. This is a heathen man. This man ain't got no pastor teaching him about fasting. Where did this guy hear about fasting? It must have been around some God people. Here we go again. That fasting was a regular part of their walk with God. So his visit he gets from the angel, he's praying when he gets his visit, and it's a fast day. That's pretty amazing. I was fasting until this, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and a man stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayers heard, alms are had, and remember, yada, yada. I'm going to tell you all the sins because we've got one more section of Scripture to go to. Peter preaches. Jesus came baptism and the Holy Ghost to Cornelius' and his whole house, and they all get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because one man worked on his memorial day by day, and one man was fasting meals one day, and God could not ignore his memorial anymore and honored his fast. Mm -hmm. Your fast, you can fast and make your family that won't listen to this you may not have any like that now, but sooner or later you will. And you can say, Lord, today I'm going to fast. I'm going to ask you to take the power that you made available to fast. Matter of fact, Lord, I'm going to remind you of Cornelius today, if you don't mind. I know you don't mind that. Lord, I want to fast like Cornelius because I need my family to be visited with this truth of Jesus' name. Could, could you send an angel to him, Lord? And all day on that fast day, use that as your target. And if God would honor a heathen man mm -hmm. without the blood, without the name, without the spirit, God will honor your prayer and your fasting. He will. He's a good father. Okay, last one. This one's going to be in Matthew chapter number 10. 
Now this one is why the main reason why I personally fast. For some time I had a little bit of an attitude that nobody taught me this because it's not just my opinion, it is logical that this ought to be the first thing you teach somebody that comes to God. And this scripture is going to explain why. And ever since I learned it myself, it has been after I teach Jesus' name baptism and dunk them real good, I teach them how to fast. And this is why. This section of scripture right here. Uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called unto him his twelve disciples, gave them power against unclean spirits, that's demons, yeah. devils, to cast them out. Heal all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. Okay, so then it tells the names. Do to do. Verse number eight. You can read the fill in later. I got to get to the main one. He finishes by telling them, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So they leave and they go. So they're already going on this long evangelistic trip. They go healing people, casting out devils. They're so excited when they get back, they don't come back and say, Jesus. Man, we prayed for these lepers. Eh, Lord, their fingers grew back. They were cleansed. No, they don't come back and say, Lord, we prayed for a blind man like Don Weaver. And he got his vision. Do you know what? I pray for Don Weaver, and I do. I prayed for him in the middle of church service before to get his vision. Yeah. I ever pray for him, and he does get his vision. I'm probably not just going to run a lap in the church. I'll probably go out the back door. I don't know if I'll make it back. Somebody come look for me. That's how excited I would be over that. But when they came back to Jesus, that's not what they were excited about. They came back and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. Mm -hmm. And Jesus had to give them a, a pride check. And he said, look, don't be proud of that. Right. He said, I saw Satan cast out of heaven in the speed of light. Doof. He said, be happy rather that your name is written in the book of life. Mm -hmm. So in other words, in the eyes of Jesus, casting out devils, that's a small thing. We need to be happier that we're saved, right? So, but they go out on this evangelistic trip. They come back. They minister with Jesus. Matthew 14. This is our last section. There is some authority that is given to us right away. And there is some authority that we have to earn. There is some authority we get right away. Instantly from the time we're baptized in the name of Jesus. And we are given the power to do things because we've been baptized in Jesus' name. But then there's other authorities that we are given only at 17. I'm sorry that we get, we have to earn. So hear that again. Yep, Matthew 17, good job. Go to verse 14, please. So some authority are given instantly, some you have to earn. Kind of like the same principle we talked about with some things God takes from us and other things He leaves for us to get rid of, okay? Now watch this. This is some time later. A lot of stuff has happened since that trip he sent them out on where he gave them authority to cast out spirits, right? Look what happens now. When they were coming to the multitude, there came to him, Jesus, a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, 
Have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. He's nuts. He's sore vexed. Oftentimes, he falls in the fire. And oftentimes, he falls in the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Now, what he means here by cure, and in another uh, telling of the story, another gospel, it says that they could not cast the devil out of him. And you'll see in a minute that's exactly what Jesus says. But so here's, here's, here's the problem. We just read in the 10th chapter, Jesus gave them authority to cast out unclean spirits, cast devils out. Well, here's the devil they can't do nothing with. Well, what's the difference in these devils? Jesus answers, in faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. Now, one thing that you'll learn about reading the Bible, you can tell when Jesus gets to the end of his ministry and he's just frustrated with people. I mean, look, he was just trying to get his son healed, right? I mean, he, you know, he, Jesus says, how long have I got to put up with this stuff? Where's the cross at? I'm ready. I mean, look, look what he just said. Faithless? If I was faithless, I wouldn't come to you. Perverse generation? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? <laughs> I mean, he's frustrated, right? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured. See, there's some cures doctor ain't God. Mm -hmm. There's some cures only God's God. And some of the things that the medicine world has called illnesses and sickness are devils. Mm -hmm. And that's why all they can do with some things is give people medicine. It can never help them with their situation they're always going to have that sickness. Here's some medicine. Let me numb you up real good. Some of those are just demons and the doctors can't do nothing with them. And I'm here today to say that a large majority of the church world can't do nothing with them either. And we're going to see why right here. Watch this. Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart. Yeah, I'll bet. He's embarrassed, man. They got fronted off. And they said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus, now Jesus is messing with them a little bit here. He's still frustrated. Watch what he said. Because you're unbelief. Now, wait a minute. We know they believe. They're with Jesus. How are you not going to believe in one that's right there? You got, you got eyes on him. And you know they believe they could cast the devil out because back there in chapter 10, they went all over doing it, came back excited. We got them all, God. It was a clean sweep. So Jesus is aggravated and he's messing with them because they do believe. But watch this. We can tell right here. You'll see I'm telling the truth. If you have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, get out of here and it'll remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. And then look, he finally has mercy. and lets him know he's aggravating him a little bit. How be it, this kind goes not out. Read that with me. But by prayer and fasting... If fasting did nothing else, this right here is enough for me to fast. Right here. Jesus himself has told us here that there is a certain rank of devil that it don't matter if you're baptized in Jesus' name and do it every morning. If you're like, what's that meme say? I want to be so full of blood and mosquito bites me and flies off singing nothing but the blood or whatever. Yeah. It don't matter if you're so filled with the Holy Ghost like an Indian gas station when you're trying to order something from McDonald's in a drive-thru, right? <laughs> None of that matters. 
If we don't fast, there are some devils we cannot do anything with. Jesus said so. He said, this kind ain't going nowhere just because you say in Jesus' name. This kind ain't going nowhere because you talk funny. This kind ain't going nowhere because you're holy. All those things are good, but this one ain't going to budge because of all that. All them other ones, they had no choice, but they had to go. This one ain't going anywhere if you don't fast. So hear me today. It's one thing to have to be a reactive faster. Some things we fast in reaction to. Well, somebody we know of gets a bad report at the doctor. Man, we'll all bind together. We'll pray and we'll fast and that's fine, right? That's good. That's okay. But that should not be the only time we fast is in reaction to something. There is preventative fasting. Yeah. What I mean by that is that old demon shows up the door and wants in the house and I open that door and it's a, a bad boy standing there and he's there to destroy my marriage. I can't say, you know, I can tell him, get out of here in the name of Jesus, go shut that door and there's that old salesman trick, foot in the door, huh? Like, wait, hold up, didn't you hear me? Jesus name, get out of here, whoop. Now it's foot and shoulder in the door, right? Wait, what the, what in the world? Hang on, let me pray real hard until I talk funny. Nowhere. Nowhere. Because my holiness, my prayer, my worship, my walk with God, there are some ranks of devils that that is not going to allow me to exercise my authority over. Some authority we get automatic because we're children of the Most High God. But some authority we have to earn. Some authority we have to pay a price in this flesh to have power in the Spirit. You see the give and take? I give of my flesh. I gain in the Spirit. Amen. I put the flesh down. Yeah. The Spirit goes up. I make the flesh weak. Not weak as in it causes me trouble, but weak as in it don't call the shots anymore and the Spirit grows stronger in my life. That's why we have a Wednesday fast day every week. And there's going to be some times you biff it, but you better get back in that saddle because when that devil shows up at your house, and he will, when he shows up at your house, you ain't going to have time to say, hey, dude, man, my bad. I know, I know you're that one, and I know, I know, but hey, I'm going to fast tomorrow, and I'll see you Friday, all right? Uh-uh. Yeah. And he's coming right in my house. Yeah. And the Bible says he doesn't do anything but try to, to, to kill and destroy. He's a devourer. That's why I tithe. Same principle. Man, I'm going to tithe till I'm dead, and I'm going to fast until I'm dead. I don't care if tithing would be Old Testament. It wasn't before the law, which it is. I wouldn't care because there's a promise in it. God said, I will rebuke the devourer for a dime on a dollar. Yeah. So long as I'm alive, I may not get the rest of it right all the time, but I'm giving my dime on a dollar because I don't want the devourer in my house, and I'm going to fast one day a week at least, because I want to have authority over anything that wants to come in my front door. Yeah. And I want to tell you this too. I want to have authority over anything that tries to come in your front yes. door. Mm-hmm. You see, the real deal is, is your level of authority shouldn't always only depend on what level you have attained. Because there's supposed to be an under-shepherd in your life that is a covering. And a covering... Oh, here we go. Oh, I got okay, I got a minute and 20 seconds. A covering is more than just somebody who prays for you all the time. 
I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. I'll take it. But a covering is also a power covering. That when something comes somebody's way, that a under shepherd is responsible for doing. That staff would do a number on a wolf, too. You think David, what, picked up a sling for the first time when he got down to the river? Oh, no, he didn't either. He had that sling in his pocket because he's out there protecting daddy's sheep, you see. And an under shepherd is supposed to have the authority to be able to be a powerful, protective covering for the people of God. And if he ain't, he shouldn't be in the pulpit. Period. Period. Now I'm going to finish with this. You need to have a regular fashion day every week. Trust me, you won't have any problem coming up with targets. But if you have a regular fashion day every week and you encounter something that's big and it's bad, once you get over feeling that fear, because let me, this whole nother lesson. There are some spirits that, will, that you will encounter that will make your whole body feel terrified, will make the hairs on your body stand up. And the reason why they do that is because they try to get your mind to be that terrified and for you to respond with terror. But if you'll just stand there for a minute and realize, oh man, my body's freaked out. But I don't know who the boss is. I ain't, Wait a minute, man. Get off me in Jesus' name. And then you remember, I'm a faster. I'm a tither. You got nothing here. You might make my hair stand up, and so what? I can do that out on a bike. I mean, I'm good, right? That terror don't sway us, okay? So you have to remember, when you are a tither and you are a faster, you have authority over anything and everything you will encounter, no matter what it feels like when you get there. And don't settle for nothing else. You can go into a house where the people live in sin. It's their fault the devil's there. And they ain't saying they're going to quit doing what they're doing. If you'll do this, they just know they're in trouble and they need help. And you can walk in that house. You can start in that front door and go through every door in the house. And that's how I do it. And go through every door in that house and run stuff out of there and tell it out of here and don't come back in Jesus' name. And work your way all the way around to that last door again. Plead the blood over that home. And everything in that house has got to go. Even if the people in there drew it in there. So what you're the boss they ain't you're the head they're the tail you're above and they're beneath because you're a tither and you're a faster okay so that's a main reason why i fast i can't afford not to have authority over anything yeah because the darker it gets out in our world and it's going to get darker the darker it gets the more we're going to need all the authority that god has given us and fasting is the atom bomb of God's weapons that he's made available to us. So get a fasting day. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I, I thank you. A lot of things in the word don't make sense to me. And I'm okay with that. I just have to do it and I don't understand it all. But Lord, this one makes perfect sense. It just makes sense that something that would be hard for my flesh yes. would be powerful for my spirit. It just makes sense that that something I would deny my flesh would, would cause the Spirit to be stronger in my life, God. And I thank you, Lord, that, that this power is available to anybody that will do it. Lord, uh, fasting isn't any more powerful for me than it is for somebody like dirtbag Ahab, like an evil city like Nineveh. It's no more powerful for me than it is for them. Anybody that will fast and put their flesh in the back seat for the day and come to you humbly, Father, and walk softly. You will honor it, God, and I thank you for it. 
So I ask you now today, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every family here. And I ask you, Lord, to take the power of fasting and apply it in everybody's life that's here right now, God. I ask you, Lord, to use that part of my walk to cover them, Father. And I pray now, Lord, that that any that may have grown discouraged in fasting or, or, or maybe just kind of let it slip by the wayside would have made up their mind tonight, it's time to get back at it. Yes. And I ask you, Lord, Father, to show yourself mighty in the lives of your people. When you're given a fasting target, Lord, we know that you will move upon it, God. We know, God, that you'll do it. So we ask you now, Father, just to keep your hand upon your people, honor their disciplines, honor their giving, honor their fasting, their prayers, meet with them in their prayer time, Father. And Lord, when they go through those seasons where they need to shake something up, when they do shake it up, Father, honor their desire and meet them brand new again, God. So I ask you now, Lord, to keep your hand upon your people. Bless them real good this week until we come together again Sunday. I ask you to do it for your glory. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.